My name is Cecilia Dang. I'm a software engineer uh, on the AWS Lambda team. Um, and I'm here today to talk about building high-throughput serverless data processing pipelines. And those are a lot of words, and I know they're like all strung together, and it's kind of buzzy, and, and it might not be clear what that is about. But um, I will definitely clarify what it all means and go into it. I kind of wanted to start off um, with a show of hands. Who's already using Kinesis with Lambda or sort of Okay, awesome. I kind of wanted to gauge sort of if you already like knew your use cases and uh, why you wanted to use streams. Um, but I will talk a little bit about like why you would use streams and sort of um, uh, common architectures that we see as well. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm from Canada. I went to UBC. Um, I started off at EA. And um, now I'm on AWS Lambda for uh, the past three and a half years. And um, the goal uh, as I mentioned, is um, for high-throughput, serverless, real-time pipelines. So what does that really mean, um, high-throughput? So it's a pretty nebulous term, but generally we consider you know, processing anything in the gigabytes per second as high-throughput. Um, many services, many AWS services have uh, limits where you can tune and options to scale higher, but sort of this is what we're uh, targeting here, serverless. Um, here, uh, you know, it means no service to manage, um, but here we really want to talk about serverless compute. So um, being able to sort of abstract away um, anything besides just having uh, the actual logic of your code running. And then for pipelines, this kind of implies sequence and, uh, and order. So this is kind of, kind of how time works, or at least uh, how we observe it. So we'll go into the time. Uh, definition, but here we're going to talk about sort of the real-time constraints that we live in uh, and why streams is really good for that. So what to expect? Well, why, why streams? Why, do you using, why are you using streams? What are your use cases? Um, and what is it really good for? Uh, most of this talk is going to talk about uh, streaming solutions for data processing needs, so we'll go over the benefits of that for sure. And then we'll talk about what Lambda is. Um, I'll do this really quick. It seems most people in the room uh, is pretty familiar with it. Um, and then we'll dive into what Kinesis is, how they really do the streaming side of things, and um, uh, a little bit on yeah what they deliver on that end. And then challenges on processing from streams in general. Um, and basically how you don't need to worry about it with a lot of the AWS managed services. Um, that, you'll, that you have to offer, and in particularly dive into how Lambda processes streams. Um, that's the team that I work on, and in particular I work on the uh, event sourcing team, so I can dive into that. And then we'll go into sort of some more example use cases um, of all these different offerings and how you can sort of hook them up together and, and architectures and, uh, uh, yeah. So let's start with the first question, why streams? Um, what use cases would benefit from streams? Whoops. Oh, sorry. So uh, remember the goal. Uh, we have high throughput, um, serverless, it's managed compute, and real time. So um, I highly recommend actually this talk, SRV402, that goes into sort of the differences uh, between streaming and MapReduce, but here is sort of my take on it. For streams, you kind of have a data size constraint. Generally, it's sort of um, small amounts of data, and you also have a real time constraint. You need it to be available right away, and you probably don't need it you know, a month from now, so you need to process it right away. 
you generally have access when you're processing to only a most recent time window of data. Um, so this all kind of ties into the whole uh, time constraint part of streams. Versus something like batch or MapReduce, you don't really have a size constraint. You can have really, really large sets of data, and there isn't that time constraint. You can take your time, um, you know, processing large sets of data and generate a report, that type of thing. You have access to all your data when you do this processing as well. Um, whereas with streams, you only have that time window. And again, it's long running. running. So with stream processing, you have data that's gen being generated continuously, simultaneously, thousands of data sources, typically small sizes. Um, you have your social medias, your IoT devices like um, farming equipment, stocks, um, uh, click streams. You know, on your website, you want to sort of know how users are using uh, your web service and uh, sports analytics. Um, I came from a sports gaming background, so I added that in there. Uh, and uh, all of this needs to be sort of processed sequentially, incrementally, in uh, sliding time windows. So, Lambda. Real quick, it's your function. It's your code. And uh, we give you a programming model so that you can easily, we'll run it for you. Um, flexible model, um, you choose your memory, allocated, all the, this is all the configurations that comes with the model that we give you. Really integrated security, like all the bells and whistles that comes with AWS, and it runs stateless. So this is kind of important as well. You don't have a state. Um, we, it's a container-backed system. Um, this is the interesting part, because you defined your logic. Now, what are you going to do with it? You need it to be part of the, your overall architecture. So how do you trigger it? And this is where things get really interesting. Um, real quick, asynchronous push model. Um, so there's three, three different uh, variety, flavors of this. So one is the asynchronous push model. You have your event sources that use the async invoke API that we provide. Um, this is uh, services like Amazon S3, Amazon SNS. Um, they own the actual event, and they own delivering it to Lambda. So for Amazon S3, an example could be when you put something into a bucket, they uh, own generating the metadata, the little bits of data that tell you what just happened, um, and they own giving it to Lambda, and, and then we have to do something with it. Synchronous push model, it's uh, something like AWS IoT or API Gateway or Alexa. The difference here is they wait for the request back. Um, and then we have the stream pull model. So this is the DynamoDB and the Kinesis streams. In this case, DynamoDB owns generating the data and managing the stream itself and making it available for consumption. Amazon Kinesis, you own putting data into the stream, but Kinesis makes it highly available and available for consumption. Lambda is now responsible for pulling the data from these streams and making sure they get processed. So generally this means grabbing data, keeping in memory, doing some proce processing, and then sending it to the actual Lambda function. Um, it sounds really simple, but it's not really. So this is sort of what I'll be digging into further today. So again, just to summarize, Lambda can take in uh, all sorts of events from a number of event sources, uh, either from notification or for polling, and um, the key is you can process it however you like compared to uh, other consuming event sources. And today we're going to concentrate on streaming events, um, with, uh, in particular Amazon Kinesis. Um, and with Kinesis, you can now open up to all sorts of real-time streaming data. So this includes financial data, IoT data, 
uh, streaming log data um, is a really uh, common use case, and IoT data. And we'll kind of also dig into sort of like use cases here. So what's Kinesis? Well, it's storage. It's real-time storage. So that means that the data is stored for a limited amount of time because you pretty much need it right away and you probably don't need it a long time from now. Um, it needs to be made available really quickly. So this is important because of the real-time constraint. Uh, typically, it's less than a second from the put-to-get delay. Uh, it's a managed service. Um, you have a framework. It's kind of like uh, the compute model that Lambda has. Kinesis has its own set of APIs and how they define um, you should consume it and best practices there. Um, and uses a check mod checkpoint model um, in order to support multiple in concurrent in-ordered processing. Um, and this is sort of important because it kind of uh, ties into sort of uh, you're given a model in which to consume this stream, but uh, there are definitely caveats and uh, tricks on how to do this in a distributed, uh, resi resilient, and scalable way. So how do you process a stream? In summary, you need to pull for the work. You need to call get records and you need to grab that data. Uh, you need to have a checkpoint for progress, so you need a way to store that and update it. Uh, you can have separate checkpoints for multiple customers, so that's a really cool thing that Kinesis provides versus something like uh, queues. And uh, in general, Kinesis provides a KCL library for customers um, for a way to help you uh, process the number of shards, distribute work, and um, kind of have that fault tolerance built in there. It's kind of a similar case for DynamoDB streams. Um, the difference here is that DynamoDB owns producing the events as well. In this case, uh, DynamoDB events, like if you update an item in the table or if you put an item in the table, if you make changes. Uh, otherwise, everything in the back end, they, also, they um, own the, the creation of the shards and the, uh, it is de uh, depending on your, the partition of your DynamoDB table, but um, they own distributing the records and uh, across the partitions. So, I don't know if I've convinced you, but it's hard. So, how, how can you avoid using KCL and, and uh, consuming this yourselves, having to keep track of the checkpoints and having to keep track of um, any fault tolerance? So, we have some options here. Um, one of them is Kinesis Firehose. So, what Kinesis Firehose does is it manages the stream as well, so you don't need to worry about any shard configuration or partition key or um, also order. So if you need order, it doesn't do that for you. And it also manages the stream processing. So it pulls for records, it dumps it to one of uh, Amazon S3, Amazon Redshift, uh, or Amazon Elasticsearch. Um, and I kind of threw this in there. It's not really that important right now. The compute power is the default of uh, eight KPUs. This is, I just put that in there for comparison um, between the other two services, Analytics and Lambda. And this is cool, you can choose a, a Lambda function to transform the data here. Um, there's some blueprints available on the Lambda console. Um, are you guys familiar with blueprints? So when you go on the Lambda console and you don't know where to start, when you go click create function, there uh, is basically this um, repository of uh, already, um, already created functions and configuration. Uh, like basically like a wizard, and you can just click create, and it'll create, you, uh, create for you 
many different common scenarios, including transformation um, for Kinesis Firehose uh, workflows from JSON CSV to whatever or Apache log to JSON CSV. So that's Kinesis Firehose. Um, this is kind of perfect for sort of ETL type jobs. So if you had data coming in, you need to transform and uh, just dump it into storage. Firehose, Firehose uh, manages that for you in a really great way. Uh, another classic example is dumping data like IoT events into S3. Um, and then you can also connect uh, Amazon Athena to the S3 bucket, and then it produces really nice graphs and stuff. So speaking of an analytics, Kinesis also has a service called Analytics. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's their offering of a SQL language querying on top of real-time analyzed data. Um, I consider this kind of like a filter or aggregation instead of a transformation that Firehose offers with their Lambda blueprints. So um, Kinesis Analytics doesn't manage the stream. You need to configure the stream itself. Um, and then when you hook up analytics to it, it manages the stream processing. So um, it pulls for records. It uses the SQL model to continuously map the record data to um, their internal concept of stream tables. This is aggregation. Um, and then it continuously queries the internal stream tables for the desired results. And this can be your filtering logic. Uh, and then it outputs the desired results to additional stream tables, so further, further aggre aggregation. And then eventually you can throw it into another Kinesis stream or Firehose, and it is a similar compute power of default 8 KPU. Um, so this, is, this type of uh, service is really good for real-time queried filtered analysis of data. Um, analytics gives you a SQL model. So if you're very familiar and you like the idea of SQL to use to your filtering, it's a great way to sort of take advantage of that. Um, you specify the mapping on your, sorry, you specify the mapping here um, between your source and your in-application input data. And you can also use S3 to sort of enrich the, uh, date, the metadata that you want to use. Um, and then you specify the query that you want to filter, and that's end up stored in intermediary updating tables. And all of this is happening in real time. It's just kind of aggregating, aggregating. And eventually, you output it to Kinesis or Firehose. So this kind of processing, uh, especially based off of sliding uh, windows, can be really good for you know, um, most recent breakdown or average daily users type of deal, um, constantly changing with new incoming data. Uh, it's also really good for insights into latest trends um, or changes in your system that help alert you to make relevant decisions faster or combining of various different sources and kind of coming up with new data that's uh, useful. Typical streaming architecture can consist of streams hooking into analytics, hooking back into streams, hooking into Lambda, um, and then throwing into DynamoDB. So there's, um, for example, social media. You can generate hashtags um, and do sort of constant aggregation, aggregation in Kinesis Analytics. Uh, throw the results into another Kinesis stream, and you use AWS Lambda to uh, throw it into DynamoDB, since it's not uh, available through Firehose directly. Lambda ends up being the bridge to anything. So Lambda. Um, this is the other, the last option, and what I'll dive into. Here, Lambda doesn't need to, you also don't configure the stream itself. You need to um, 
hook it up to a stream, but it manages the stream processing. So it pulls for records, uh, we send it for invocation to a Lambda function, and the compute power here is the, I put it here for comparison, is um, your default limit, so uh, your default concurrent limit is 1,000 times whatever you've configured your memory for your Lambda function and all the associated size CPU. You set it up with an API, uh, create event source mapping, and uh, the key here is now you can send it for invocation to a Lambda function. So really your processing has opened up. And um, with Lambda, you get order. So we honor uh, the, basically the contracts that Kinesis has set, has set out. Um, you have a soft concurrent limit of 1,000 invocations, but it's a soft limit and you can ask for that to be increased um, times a maximum of three gigabytes of memory. Um, an associated CPU, and it's a completely customized model and functionality. So you're no longer restricted to you know, very common but useful use cases like with Firehose or, or analytics. Um, your use cases really opens up here. Um, another kind of key difference is Lambda is available in uh, every region. Uh, we're trying to go out with every new region, and um, currently Amazon Kinesis Analytics is in and firehoses in six, I believe. So it's something else to take into mind. So this is kind of what it looks like when Lambda processes streams. We have a service pulling data off of a stream, um, keeping track of checkpoints, and oops, sending, uh, sending data off to Lambda for processing. Um, as I hinted above, this, you know, the three points aren't as simple as it seems, otherwise we uh, probably wouldn't have to manage this for you. So we're gonna dive into um, the details here and give you more insight into how Lambda does stream processing to help you appreciate both the awesome work that we do and also get a better sense of best practices um, when it comes to configuring and monitoring this kind of uh, architecture. So configuring the event source, um, you have your batch size, uh, this is the uh, max number of records that could possibly be in one payload or one invocation to Kinesis. Um, not equivalent to how many records that we're going to be pulling off. We pull off as many records as possible. And the starting position just tells you which record that we're going to start processing from. So this is only relevant when you first create your event source mapping or when you disable and re-enable re it. Um, this allows you, for example, if uh, you made a mistake, you need to turn off your function, um, disable it, and um, you do your fixes, and then you can re-enable it and start back off wherever you want to continue processing from. Okay, so what are the steps, uh, what's going on here? Uh, we have a stream of incoming data, it's like a sliding window of stored data, and then we have Trim Horizon here. Trim Horizon is where Kinesis starts expiring records. The default uh, age of records, or the TTL, I suppose, is 24 hours. So you have 24 hours to process your data. Uh, this is a soft limit. You can ask for Kinesis to increase this uh, number as well. You also have your latest record. This is the most recent record that you just put into your stream. Um, these are the two options that you can tell us to tell Lambda to start processing from. If you choose latest, you're basically saying, I don't care about anything that came before me. I'm just going to start processing from this point on. So Lambda's gonna have a checkpoint somewhere here uh, between latest and trim horizon, and we store this checkpoint in storage. Um, 
you make check, you, the checkpoints continues and you make progress. And you can have multiple checkpoints. So you can have multiple consumers from the stream and they all keep track of their own uh, checkpoints or iterators. Here's an example uh, payload from Kinesis. So um, the data actually is here. It's base64 encoded. But otherwise, you get metadata like partition key, um, the sequence number, uh, and other metadata, the region. Oh, another key thing to note is that this is a uh, batch of records. So you can see, can tell that this is an array here. Here's an example lambda function um, that's, that would be processing from Kinesis. Um, you have your event. This could be called anything. And, uh, and you can tr get your list or array of records here. And for each record uh, here, I've decided to uh, base, you have to base64 decode it. In my case, I used an example that was in JSON format, but it doesn't need to be. It could just be uh, any text. And I decided to upload it to a DynamoDB table. And I generally like to use game references. So in this case, it was a player and a score. Um, so what's going on really uh, behind the scenes? Um, I'm going to go into the details of what we do per shard. Um, and, what this, and what happens per shard happens, can happen in parallel uh, for all the shards. Um, so per shard, Lambda call, we'll call get record. And we'll try to get as many records as we can. Um, with the max limit from Kinesis, which is uh, 10K records and, or 10 megabytes of data, or whatever the batch size that you've uh, configured for this event source mapping. So we call get records. If we don't get any record, then we're going to wait some time. Uh, and right now for Kinesis, it's one second. Otherwise, we sub-batch in memory. So we have all these records in memory, and now we've got to honor the, your configured batch size, the max uh, payload that you can send to Lambda. Um, and then so we construct this uh, intermediary payload, and then we invoke Lambda synchronously with this payload. Um, and this is key synchronously because we can't move on to the next batch of records until this current batch of records has completed. This is in order to honor the Kinesis uh, uh, contract of in-ordered processing. Uh, and then once you invoke Lambda, Lambda itself can send to multiple different destinations or uh, any sort of transformation you like. So Lambda blocks an order processing for each individual shard. What this means is that increasing number of shards is your way of increasing the throughput or the concurrency available to your stream. Um, this is also caveat. You need to be able to deliver data distributedly across your shards, because if you have 100 shards and you're only writing to one of them, it's not going to help you. Um, so it's important to pick your partition key there. There's lots of best practices on how to produce data to your Kinesis stream um, and best practices there that I won't go into today. But um, yeah, basically make sure that you're writing to, you're taking advantage of all the shards in your stream. Um, batch size may impact duration if the Lambda function takes longer to process more records. So this really depends um, on if you're sequentially processing or if you're doing things in parallel, then you might be compute constrained or memory constrained. Um, so you, know, you might think uh, just increasing the batch size might 
uh, increase throughput or make things happen faster, but if the ultimate duration of your lambda function takes longer, then it's not gonna really help you that much since we are synchronously blocking per batch. Um, we pull and block synchronously per shard. Uh, it's important to watch out if the put or ingestion rate is greater than the theoretical throughput, then your processing is at risk of falling behind. And what this means is that your record might be getting closer to trim horizon before we can process it, process it, and once it hits trim horizon, then Kinesis is going to get rid of it. So uh, maximum theoretical throughput here, it could be the number of shards times the Kinesis uh, limit on how much we can grab, uh, or how much we can grab divided by the lambda function duration, so how long it takes for your lambda function to get back to us so we can get to the next record. Um, the effective theoretical throughput would be also uh, dependent on what you've configured for your batch size. Um, to emphasize the impact of failures here, um, our retry logic is such that we will retry execution failures and throttles until the record is expired. Um, again, this is to honor the in-order processing, uh, the ordered uh, contract that we have. So any throttles and errors are definitely going to impact um, the throughput of your processing. It's basically going to halt it. So the best practice is, oh, we exponentially back off, but also alarm on any throttles or errors that your Lambda function might have, as well as any Kinesis throttles. Because even though you can have multiple consumers from the Kinesis stream, um, anything that consumes some Kinesis will be limited by uh, certain APIs on the Kinesis itself. For example, describe streams or um, other limits. So definitely watch out for any throttling happening on the Kinesis side. Um, and to sort of emphasize this, the effective theoretical throughput with retries is now the number of shards times batch size divided by not just the function duration, but how many times we have to retry that function. Um, I can go into some more uh, examples here of different architectures. Or I was thinking, um, yeah, I'll quickly go through this, but I was also curious to hear um, if you guys had your own architectures and uh, any questions there, because um, I thought that was a really cool format from the Chop Chocks. And also, if I had time, I could um, go into a quick demo. Uh, I, did, <laughs> I just uh, sort of spun up on um, getting a Twitter stream set up and, and having that put stuff into a Kinesis stream and having a Lambda process it. Um, but some examples, um, you know, using streams in Lambda is really good for real-time ad serving. You have, um, you know, audience tracking system, ad exchange listeners, bidders, uh, all sending data to a stream, um, which then can store and expose data for Lambda to uh, do whatever uh, business logic that you wanted it into it, and then you can throw that into Firehose if you don't care about order to really quickly um, throw that into S3 or Redshift. And I kind of think of this as sort of the assembly line approach, um, where kind of every step of the way you do another transformation you do, and you add more metadata. Um, we also have uh, kind of the use case for anomaly detection. So um, analytics say we'll take a 10-second tumbling window of hashtag count from Kinesis streams, and we'll get the latest uh, count of hashtags. 
send that into Kinesis Stream, um, the results to Kinesis Stream, where Lambda can then send it to any data store or for further analysis, maybe to S3, which can then be surfaced uh, visually or graphically. You can also send it to something like SNS for early detection. Um, uh, this will help you basically um, be aware of trends or um, things that are happening so you can react faster uh, to, to uh, your business requirements. And I kind of like to think of this, you know, it doesn't always have to be a bad trend, it could be a good trend. Uh, you could be detecting something good that's happening so it helps you react faster and take advantage of it for your customers and opportunities. Um, also game analytics. Um, I don't know how common this is, but I just threw that in there because that's what I used for uh, a demo that I used. Um, but so I set up something, a Kinesis stream um, that was connected to a Lambda, um, which that did some processing, threw it into DynamoDB, had a list of, say, players and, and scores. You can uh, uh, hook up the Amazon DynamoDB to streams. You can turn that on. And DynamoDB streams um, streams all that data to another Lambda that does aggregation. So say you want leaderboards, like you know, who are the top players at that given moment. And uh, you can surface that through, um, throw that into an S3 bucket and surface it through CloudFront or uh, a lot of different ways. So having real-time analytics brings a lot of stake and dimension to a lot of businesses. Um, that's why I use this example. It's built on user interaction, so having, like, basically showing users uh, a visual representation or something um, in, in response to what they're doing is really good motivation and captures uh, progress, for example, or social competitiveness. So kind of wanted to open this up to questions because I feel like um, then we can dive into the nitty-gritty of uh, if anybody has their use case. Okay, so the question was um, best practices on throwing things into Kinesis, um, especially through API Gateway. Yeah, um, generally I guess it's, uh, the limits are per shard. So I guess it depends on, you know, it, I guess it's unfortunate if you have uh, bursty traffic and it's unpredictable. Um, generally they try to like, you know, increase shards if you think the throughput's going to be high. Otherwise you do kind of need your own sort of batching or buffering in front of Kinesis if you don't want to hit those throttles or if you don't want to do your own retry logic. Um, that's sort of the advantage of some of the other managed stream uh, services like Firehose because they manage, you know, uh, increase the elastic sharding of it. If you have your own Kinesis, there's, um, I mean, I'm, I think it's, uh, there's like, you know, blogs and best practices. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the best advice on like how to produce data to Kinesis, but.
Okay, so the question was, um, how, what are some best practices around error handling um, and uh, detection, I guess, and having your, when your batch fails? I know like something that customers uh, a lot of times ask is, you know, on, on the retry logic, um, having more ability to tune it. So that's definitely something we're aware of and, um, and, and uh, working on. Um, in terms of, uh, tr you know, the st trying not to be redundant, that's a little bit tough because um, you're going to have to keep state on where you have processed, uh, where something has already been processed and you don't want to do it again and keep item potency. I guess um, when it comes to streams and, say, for asynchronous and somebody else manages the retry logic for you, it's <clears throat> sort of just part of the, the service where you have to be item potent. Um, you can definitely log where you are in your uh, in the Lambda function itself to help you sort of tell um, where you've done before. So if you need to reprocess, you can avoid um, records that you've already processed or give yourself some flag. Um, Lambda also has uh, environment variables that you might be able to take advantage of, like to sort of pass along metadata if you sort of are aware outside of the system um, how processing is doing. So those are some options you might want to look into. Uh, yes, there. Is there a way to maintain order within shards? Um, so you can sort of define your own order. Um, I guess, it, I mean, it's not going to be the order in which the Lambda function itself is executed or when it gets to the container, but you could potentially Again, keep track of metadata outside um, of the architecture. And uh, like if you're checkpointing against NanoDB, then you sort of might have expectations of you know, where you should be and ignore data or um, sort of work around it that way. Again, you sort of have to write into your code uh, the ability to be idempotent or to that sort of way. But um, the lambdas themselves won't be able to get the batches in order. You will just have to decide business logic-wise what you do with the data when you get it um, in order to preserve extra order. Does that make sense? Um, okay, thank you. Nice. Okay, so the question was around the, if I got this right, the latency between when you put a record into the stream and when it gets processed. Um, so yeah, I, you know, fanout's not gonna help there in this case because this is all internal to our um, polar architecture. Um, that's definitely something we are aware of. This is kind of like the compromise that you have between, um, you know, we're doing this polling for you, so when you have no activity, you know, we're, we've, 
you know, in order to be um, have better utilization, we can't just like constantly be pulling. Uh, that's sort of one constraint that we have. But we are definitely looking at ways to optimize this. Um, you know, like right now, it, it's uh, one second, and you know, these there's a lot of like knobs and tunes that we we are trying to optimize, but definitely something we're aware of, uh, getting that latency between when you put the record into the stream and when Lambda executes, is uh, yeah, on our mind. Um, I think. Uh, sorry, can you repeat that question? How about the cost comparison? Oh. Comparison between Lambda and a dedicated system. Okay. The cost comparison between Lambda and a dedicated polling, a system to pull records from a stream or consume? Okay. Um, I would say the cost is really great because you're not really paying for us to do this for you. You're paying for Lambda to run the function um, versus if you have an EC2 instance probably doing the polling, you're paying for the EC2 instance. Um, does that sort of answer the question? You're not paying for the polling, if that was the question. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think someone in the back was first, but I can't see. Yeah, it was, so I got the last part, allocated versus used memory. Um, that isn't impacted to you. Um, like many other AWS uh, services, you pay for what you use. So even if you've configured um, you know, a large amount, uh, if, if you use a smaller um, amount, uh, if you only use like you know, 10 seconds and your timeout is three minutes, you won't be charged for three minutes or anything like that. Um, and then I think your, what was your first question again? Oh, okay, so I think you're talking about container reuse. Um, so you have all these partitions. Uh, really what a shard guarantees for you is that everything in that shard is gonna be in, in order. That's all it does. Um, you know, for example, if you wanted all of one account's data to be processed in order, you would shard it all to the, you would uh, have the partition key or hash it to the same shard. Um, it doesn't guarantee that it's all gonna to go to the same container. So as soon as we do the synchronous invoke to Lambda, all of that is subject to Lambda's uh, backend uh, internal sort of container reuse lifecycle. Um, I don't know, if, are you familiar with the lifecycle of, uh, okay, so, uh, so just real quick, you know, there's the, the concept of warm and cold containers. Um, when it's a new invocation and you haven't had one for a while, you don't have a warm one, we're gonna spin up a new container and that's gonna have its initialization costs. Um, if it's a warm container, it, it might have some of the same resources that a previous invocation had. So you do save a lot of um, initialization. All of that is sort of like our own, our proprietary logic and orchestration logic. So you don't have insight into that and it's not guaranteed. We are trying to optimize that in the back end ourselves as much as we can. And like, you know, every, we're like, we're constantly improving, improving that, but you, I wouldn't, there's no guarantee that um, in the same chart that you will always go to the same container. Cool. Oh, yeah.
So in general, like, yeah, we try to warn if you have really tight latency constraints, try not to have, and this might be tough, but try not to have super sparse data or super sparse traffic. Um, again, this is all sort of like to do with how warm things are and how, um, and, and like how we're trying to mitigate against um, utilization. So, you know, if there's a way for you to control like um, when the records are inserted, uh, or have some sort of buffer. I guess this kind of goes into like what are best practices for inserting data into the Kinesis stream again. Um, yeah, it might be useful to you know, have some sort of buffer in front of it to try to like have it be more spread even in that case, if you're very, very latent sensitive. Uh, I think you No, that's, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, fan out, if it means that you've reduced the uh, duration of your lambda function, will definitely help throughput. So yes, if you have like, you know, a fan out function that's like, you know, very short, and then it uh, hits off other lambda functions that has longer duration, that will definitely help. Um, whether if we will ever have uh, do that for you, I think was the question. Um, I'm not gonna say no, also I can't make promises, but we're definitely aware of the issue. Um, so, yeah. Something uh, definitely in our minds. I think somewhere in the front, you had a question? I actually, I did, but my question was very similar to his, which was essentially uh, what kind of solution you have available when you need the kind of performance that Kinesis provides uh, and some of the like uh, dynamic scale that Firehose provides, but you're not necessarily pushing to one of the free options for Firehose. Like you'd like to be using Firehose, but then pushing directly to Kinesis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're aware of the issue, and I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, just, there's a path forward there. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I think over there. Okay, so the question is how many consumers can you attach to a single shard before you start getting throttled? Um, I think the control plane limit for a shard is like five per second. I don't know if anybody else remembers. Um, so it's not sort of like how many consumers, it's how often. Um, if you have like, you know, 10 consumers and they only call pull every 20 minutes, like maybe it'll be okay. I made those numbers up. But if you have like two and they're constantly pulling, then they're going to get throttled. Yeah, so I mean, definitely, I think there's a lot of, we hear a lot of customers asking for this because it's like a really great option to have multiple consumers from the same stream. You have like a you know, source of truth or a data that lots of people can sort of take advantage of. 
um, except for this limit. So it's definitely on our radar and Kinesis's radar. Um, there are some architectures like kind of around it, like you can fan out the Kinesis itself, like you, um, for example, have a Kinesis stream that basically just fans out to multiple other streams and it's just a replication of the data, but it makes it available for more consumers to read from. So we've definitely had, uh, um, there might be blog posts on that, but we have customers doing that. Um, but on the other case, it is something we're definitely aware of and also um, trying to improve that experience, for sure. Oh. Okay, is it real quick? Lambda is, a, is from the, on the consumer side, so any, any retries is, is owned by whatever the managed service is that's consuming it. In this case, Lambda owns that. So uh, Kinesis doesn't invoke anything. Kinesis just makes data available for consumption. Yeah. Uh, Lambda grabs data, does some in-memory processing, throws it for synchronous invocation. If there's any failures or throttles, Lambda retries. Cool. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, that's on um, empty. So if we grabbed get records and we didn't get any records back, we'll we'll wait one second and try again. So. Um, sorry, I'm not, I didn't understand that question. Yes, that is correct. If you have a three shard stream and um, Lambda is consuming from it, you wouldn't have more than three uh, concurrent Lambda uh, executions running at the same time. No, you would never have two lambdas consuming from the same shard. Yeah. Okay, I think, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so you get, the iterator age, so the question was um, kind of more insight into how the iterator age is computed on the Lambda side. You get two iterator age metrics, one from Kinesis, one from Lambda. Uh, as far as Kinesis view is, it's um, the average or the aggregated across all the consumers for that stream. As far as Lambda is concerned, it's any stream that's hooked up to that Lambda. So if you have multiple streams hooked up to that Lambda, um, the data might also get kind of weird. Uh, 
you, so if it's bars, I mean, the way that we calculate it is um, the last record that each shard uh, saw would be one data point. And then so when you select, you know, max or min or average, it is using those data points to create it. Um, and this, some discrepancies that you might see between shards might be, um, you know, if you have differences, if like, you know, a specific customer, if you're, for example, partitioning to a certain shard, might be having trouble versus the type of data that's going to another shard. And so one particular shard might be actually having more trouble than another based off of the data that's going to it and how Lambda is reacting to it if it's you know, getting errors specifically. Oh, yeah. So, are there any more questions? So in this case, um, I, I had a really simple uh, sort of design here. The AWS Lambda was kind of just dumping into DynamoDB, so I wasn't doing pre-aggregation at that point. I could see, I th so I think the question was a concern on like if you're doing aggregation at different stages, sort of how that manifests in the end result. Um, definitely that's a concern. You have to really think about what you're trying to convey. Um, in my case, I kind of just had Lambda um, throwing player and a score, player and a score uh, into DynamoDB, just uh, a log, and, and then my second Lambda function was the one actually doing all the aggregation. Um, Yeah, you, so you know, some really, for, like really good stuff to batch is uh, sums because it wouldn't matter at what point in the process you did the sum. So if you're just looking for top uh, or max, then you can just do sums in the first lambda, go into Dynamo, do another sum in the second lambda, and then you would get the same end result type. So a lambda function is your code, and you can do whatever you like with it. So if you want to. Oh, does a lambda consume from DynamoDB, or is there another? Um, I'm not really sure. I know there's, um, you know, you might want to check out something like AWS Glue for different uh, uh, ETL workflows, or they kind of go more into um, how you can have a managed scheduled query um, against your storage. So maybe take a look at AWS Glue uh, for that. Um, and then, um, oh, sorry, I was going to, So real quick, I just wanted to show um, example uh, data. So in general, 
I'm gonna try to make this bigger. Hmm. Okay, I don't know if you can see this, but kind of in general, when you put a record, it just looks like this. You throw data in. Um, I did a command. So I can only look at it from here. Um, I set up a Twitter stream this morning um, where you can basically get a random sample of uh, random sample of tweets. This is sort of what it looks like. Uh, don't look at my secret keys. <laughs> but I mean, it just looks like this. It's I don't know if you can see that. I can't even see it. But um, it's just uh, statuses, sample.json. You do a query, you get back like a dump of data. And I can show you quickly what that looks like. So it kind of looks like this. Um, this is the response that you get. You just get a, every line is a dump of uh, random tweets. Um, in particular, I'm interested in the CSV, the column that says text, because that, that's natural text. I'm not responsible for any of this content, so I don't know what it, what it actually says. Um, and so, um, yeah, when you call this API, you open up a stream. It, it's constantly dumping data. And in, I just kind of did this to try it, but um, I you know, tried to pipe it into something that could uh, send whoops, data to, uh, uh, into a Kinesis stream. So again, ignore all the keys. I'm going to destroy all this later. Um, but. Uh, in this case, you, I just curl this, um, this API. It's just uh, a get on statuses sample. And um, you'll just constantly grab a bunch of data. And uh, I, I'm only, I did some um, janky grepping and stuff to get the, just the text that I want and throw it into a stream. Um, I, I called it demo. And I can show you sort of like um, what the end result looks like on the Lambda side. Oops. Yeah, and this whole screen thing is confusing. I'm gonna try to close this and restart it. Oops, so here's the console disappearing. So you're sort of the console, and you can go into the monitoring tab um, and take a look at your invocation errors. And uh, here we have iterator age um, on 
uh, where the last record and how old it was. Um, Um, you can go also directly into CloudWatch logs and um, like dig into sort of the metrics over there. Um, you can add alarms, CloudWatch alarms, on any errors or throttles that you see. Um, you can also go into uh, CloudWatch logs to see any er the actual error outputs. So um, this is what the CloudWatch sort of log stream looks like. And it, here I'm dumping out the actual payload and uh, and the resulting, um, yeah, so. Okay, let me see that. So if you have any errors, this will be like, um, you can also set different watches on the CloudWatch logs and um, definitely monitor this for any insight into the details of your stream processing. Um, and the result is uh, we're dumping data into DynamoDB. So this is sort of what it ends up looking like. You have a random player ID in the score, and I just grabbed random tweets and threw that in there. Um, I don't know if there was like a question specifically on a, sp a type of monitoring. Uh, logs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and when you create your lambda function, um, you can go into uh, these triggers to sort of, t this is uh, on the console where you can visually set up the trigger. Um, here I have the Kinesis uh, demo stream, but if you wanted to add another one, um, you can do so. You can choose from various different sources. Um, Stream, Kinesis again, and this is where you set up the configuration, like batch size or the the role and um, the starting position and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah. Another important thing to note, um, you know, when you set up the stream, I mean, you'll hit this right away. Is uh, making sure that your IM role has the right permissions to read from the from your stream and also. Um, to describe stream. So all of this is in managed roles. When you go into IM and you create a role, you can look at the managed policies and type in Kinesis, and it'll pop up with a, with a, a role that's probably best for your use. Yes? Oh, sorry, was the question a very large lambda function? Okay, so um, if you're having trouble with very large uh, lambda zips, there uh, is something that might help you watch out for it on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's definitely um, you know a constant battle. Like, what do we include? What do we support forever? Maybe you know versus like the flexibility that we give for customers and more the guarantees that you know we're never gonna break customers. Depending because all of this, these libraries and packages are constantly updating, right? So um, yeah, but that's a, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I think I'm done here, or like it, the time looks over, so thank you. Um, uh, that's my Twitter handle. I don't use it for that much, but mostly complaining on airlines. And um, uh, oh. thank you. And don't forget to fill out the survey.